0: Past first point guard and trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode, Sean Hyken of the Rose Garden Report is going to join the program. We're going to talk about all things Blazers offseason, including the recent additions of Jeremy Grant and Gary Payton. Let's get into it. Joining me now is the author of the Rose Garden Report, which also has a podcast component that you can find wherever you get podcasts. My friend and yours, Sean hike And Sean, how you
1: doing? Doing all right, Mike. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, I'm glad to have you back uh, to check in and chat a little bit during... Um, A a bit of a slow time, the sort of vacation time of of, uh, those in and around the NBA. So I'm glad you're not on vacation so you can chat with me and allow me to go on vacation. Uh, (laughs) uh, Let's just chat some big picture stuff. What are your thoughts on the new guys? Let's start with Jeremy Grant. What are your thoughts on that acquisition and how he kind of fits with this group?
1: It's the exact kind of big wing that they haven't had. I think at least since Nicholas Batum, if you want to I'll go back further than that, you can't, but uh, he just, on paper, he he's the kind of guy who fits in perfectly with, you know, he, he can be, you know, your number one option in certain lineups if you want to, but you know, he also can defend, can make an open shot. He can create. I just think, and especially for what they gave up, I just, there's very little downside to the move. And also the fact he's got a relationship with Dame and Dame wanted him. And so I don't know. I just think I think the way that it shook out, it it just it made a lot of sense for them to do.
0: Yeah. Are you concerned? I know you asked him about this at his press conference. Are you concerned that he's he spread his wings when he was in Detroit and was the number one option? Are you concerned him sort of adjusting back to that secondary tertiary role?
1: I'm not because I mean, I know he just kind of gave the answer that you would expect him to give at the press conference, but. Talking to people around him and on my own podcast, and again, it plug: the Rose garden report, which you can just get wherever you get podcasts right after the trade happened. I did an episode with James Edwards who covers mm-hmm. the Pistons for the athletic and does a great job. And so great, he, great writer. Yeah. Gave me some insight into just having been around Jeremy the last few years uh, while he was in Detroit. And it sounds to me, and I also talked to some other folks about him in Vegas and about that same fit because when you know the rumors were there, and you know, you go back to you know him leaving Denver, he was on a pretty good Denver team, a Denver team that had made the conference finals the year before in the bubble. And they offered him basically the same money to it, yeah. stay. And he decided he wanted to go to Detroit in part because he wanted a bigger role and he wanted to be the first option on offense. I think after a couple of years, he realized he likes winning.
0: <laughs> and then, or it's losing, if nothing else. Right, one
1: what, what of the two. And the other thing about it is that he and Dame got tight at the Olympics last summer when they were both playing for Team USA. And from what I understand, I know Dame had been pushing for this trade for a while. The Blazers had been interested in, in it. And, you know, there was that famous photo of Nurkic and uh, Josh Hart talking to Jeremy, you know, after the game in Detroit, kind of towards the end of the season which by the way, the Blazers used as their photo on their website for the press release. I don't know if they noticed
0: that. It was but... the header. Uh, the way it works is they have like a large header if yeah, you're yeah, yeah. familiar with Blazers, the website, but as a large header and then like you scroll and the large header was was Nurk and Josh Hart covering their mouths, kind of yes. whispering <laughs> to Jeremy Grant, a photo by uh, Bruce um, Yeah, Legendary photograph, Bruce yeah, is everywhere. Yeah. He's if, if you don't know where Bruce is, it's because he's taking a good photo of you, right? Yeah,
1: now. Bruce is a legend. But, uh, yeah. but anyway, so... Jeremy Grant, I think, knew, it, both with, you know, the Pistons still rebuilding, him wanting this extension that is coming up at some point, and, uh, the you know, the timeline that the Pistons had, I, I'm not saying, like, he wanted out of Detroit because he was unhappy there, but I think with, with you know, them building around Cade and these young guys and just kind of his age versus the timeline they were on, I think he knew that it was probably a good possibility that he was going to get traded. And what I understand is that he actively wanted to come to Portland. That was one of his first choices, if not his first choice, in part because of the relationship that he was able to build with Dame in Tokyo last summer. And so just the fact that when he was maybe going to get traded, Portland was a place that he actively wanted to go to. He knows what the situation is going to be when he wants to come here. He knows it if, he's, if he comes here, it's going to be Dame's show. And then the number two option on offense is probably going to be Anthony Simons because he just got that deal.
0: Isn't that the question though? It's like, it's like, he definitely knows that he's not the number one, but right. if, it's, if he's the third in usage or the third most shots or whatever you want to call it, like, is he cool with that?
1: I guess is my question. If he gets his money, which I think he's going to
0: me, me too.
1: The team is, you know, winning enough to be in the playoff mix. I think he'll probably be okay.
0: Right. Right. And if it's the difference in like every Simons get, averages 19 and he averages right. 17, it's not going to be a big deal. Uh, yeah. I think obviously there's a, every team has a mouse to defeat issue, but it just seems like he was a guy who went a d- certain direction to go to do something different when the best version of him was a high level role player on good basketball teams. Uh, he was, he was really good on those OKC teams as well. So if he buys into that which I think he will and I think uh, the hundred million dollars they're going to give him will help um I, I think he's like I'm with you I think this is as good a forward as they've had in certainly my time around the team which started LaMarcus Aldridge last year so as uh, as soon as he left in the summer of 2015 uh this is as good a forward as they've had and I say this as a a real big Al Minu Aminu supporter shout out to my man chief
1: oh Jeremy Grant is a significantly better than Al Farouk Aminu. Like t- 10
0: about. times or yeah, so roughly.
1: It's, yeah, that's not like like Aminu was, you know, he was important for that era, but it's not even close, which place,
0: no, no. Like, I mean great. Jeremy Grant could average uh you know 25 and five in the league yeah. or 25 and three in the league like pretty easily. Um basically did just shy of that. Uh what do you make of the other new guy? Uh Gary Payton, the second who they used their mid-level exception on, what do you think about that? What was your sort of reaction when the Blazers added a very good six foot two player to the roster?
1: (laughs) I mean, I understood the, the jokes. The line that I, the line that this is, this is kind of funny. You can maybe just call this like GM speak and coach speak if you want, but the line that Chauncey Billups and Joe Cronin have both given when they are asked about, the continued size issues that the team still has, by the way, outside of. no, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But they talk specifically about uh Gary Payton and Josh Hart playing bigger than their size, which mm-hmm. I can see kind of what they mean. They do. They do both guard guys who are bigger than, yeah. you know, th- their own size. So it's not quite the same thing as having Dame, CJ and Norm Powell. Like those are your four highest usage. It's not quite the same thing. I do think the size thing is still a concern. Absolutely. But absolutely. I also think that Gary Payton the second is exactly the kind of role player that every team that's trying to be good should want to have. You saw what he did with the Warriors, where like yeah. that's a team, like all of those guys, like all their main guys, Steph, Clay, Draymond, you know, put Andrew Wiggins in that category now. Even somebody like Kevon Looney, who's been around there for a long time they have like five or six guys who are just totally set in their roles. And those guys all know what they are. And this dude who was a G league guy bounced around, signed a few minimum contracts, actually got a spot in the rotation during the playoffs, during the finals for a team that won the title.
0: They asked him to guard uh, Jalen Brown in the second half of finals games.
1: They said, we need you, we
0: need you to guard, you know, their second best perimeter guy. We need you. And we're comfortable you switching on Jason Tatum and all like, they, he he was his return from that mm-hmm. injury. It, it moved them from being like, yeah, this team's probably going to win the championship. To this is a champ, This is the champion because they have this other dude who can come in and change the game with his defense. Um, he, it doesn't make him bigger, but he's really no, good. It
1: he's, no, it doesn't. I might, I might have gone personally out of the guys that they were kind of looking at for that spot. Bruce Brown is maybe who I would have thought made more sense to go with. And he ended up getting a deal with Denver, which you know I think that's going to make that team a lot better. But right. uh, I I think both I think both of the two main acquisitions are are good moves. Does it move Portland into the tier of like the title contenders in the West? No, I don't think it does. But right. I think for what they had available, without you know obviously there were like some bigger name guys that they went after. OG was one of them. Don Collins was one of them. If you don't want to dip into like giving up like a Josh Harder and a year Little in a trade for somebody like that, in addition to the number seven pick or whatever, they did about as well as I think they could have done with what they had
0: agreed i think for trading the 2025 milwaukee pick and you and not not giving up seven and just using the
1: mid-level exception Giannis is still going to be 29 when that pick conveys so i would think the bucks are probably that pick is probably going to be in the late 20s yeah it's the 29th
0: pick in the draft or if there's a couple other basketball teams playing it'll be the whatever 32nd pick in the draft yeah it's it's going to be deep like it's i've I am willing to wager Giannis Tukumpo ages pretty well into his late 20s, um, if not much further beyond that. Um, yeah, he's he's yeah, I think they did well, but I'm with you. I don't think I think they answer some questions. they better defenders, um, they can play a little bit more versatile defense, which is kind of what Chauncey wants to do, more aggressive on defense with both of both those guys, kind of check the boxes. Uh, I read uh, read your mailbag today on uh, this is gonna be old by the time this comes out, but on yeah. on uh
1: it's all pretty evergreen. There's no new news going
0: yeah, on. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. On the, on the Rose Garden report about like the team kind of loaded up on Chauncey's guys, um, his style of players, like more aggressive defenders uh-huh. and like uh, people who have a high rate of dog in them per 36. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but like and I think those guys check the box. The question is, how far does guys who check the box push them forward? Uh, and I think the biggest swing players guy want to ask you about next. Today's show is brought to you by betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, all of it. The MLB's regular season. You can bet on soccer here in North America with the MLS and NWSL. You can bet on European soccer if it, as it starts to get going yet again. You got golf, you got tennis, you got combat sports, whatever it is, you're going to find action on betonline. So don't wait. Go take advantage today. That's betonline where the game starts. All right, I'll drop you back into more of my chat with Sean Hyken from Rose Garden Report. Sean, how good is Shaden Sharp going to be in year one? What's your confidence level in him being even a contributor in year one?
1: God, I have no idea. <laughs> Anybody who says they know what, except for, you know, I really the one person in the media space or formerly in the media space who has watched a lot of shade and sharp and can actually probably speak with authority on how good he might be or what they've seen from him. Actually works in the Blazers front office now. That's Mike right. But uh he uh I I I don't know. I was very interested in seeing, uh, Oh, by the way, Blazers legend, Noah Vonley just signed a deal with the Celtics. I
0: just got, let's go, let's case. go. They've signed Bruno Cabaclo and Noah Vonley a recording this. Yeah. That'll give you an insight if when you're listening to this in the future about when this happened,
1: but, <laughs> and, but so, and so, uh, yeah, shady sharp. So, uh, I was very curious to see what he would look like in summer league. Obviously yeah. five minutes into the first game, he has the little tear in his shoulder. Fortunately, it sounds like he's not going to need surgery and yeah. he should be ready to go for training camp. I don't expect him to really get a lot of meaningful playing time.
0: It's it's hard to figure out where he fits,
1: game. right? I, I said this the day they drafted him and I've said it since, I mean, I think the thing that could have maybe changed the thinking on that is let's say he had not gotten injured at summer league and then just like balled out. And then right. maybe, you know, you and I would be sitting here in early August talking about uh, is Jaden Sharp going to force the issue and be a starter in the, you know, by the time the training camp rolls around, but that's just, he's still such an enigma. We've seen right. five minutes of him. And you know, there's not really much to go off of in that there's not college tape to go off because he didn't play at Kentucky. You have to go back to those high school clips to even see him playing competitively at all. And guys who need that type of runway to develop and, you know, adjust to the next level, a lot of times guys that get drafted that high are going to teams that are going to be, you know, probably still in the lottery and are going to just be able to give the guy like, you know, you look at like what Oklahoma city was able to do with a guy like Josh Giddy last year, where like, they were right. clearly not trying to win games. They weren't trying to make the playoffs. So it didn't matter if they threw him out there for 30 minutes a game. And he had, you know, showed some stuff, but then also had like six turnovers in a game because the result of the game was immaterial to them.
0: Yeah. Or it's, even like, you look at the bulls with Patrick Williams. Um, yeah. They basically just like, they had a spot for him. They thought they were going to be good, but not great, but they just had like this obvious mm-hmm. gaping hole right. for a guy. For a lottery pick. I don't see that with no. the Blazers. If Sharp plays, it's because they said we want to get him on the floor. We want to get him on the floor. And that means Josh, you're playing almost exclusively small forward, or Justice Winslow, you're straight up not playing tonight because Nazir Little's going to play your minutes or whatever it might be. Like it's going to be really they're going to have to be intentional with getting him on the court if they want him to play.
1: This is where it would be helpful if they had a G loop team.
0: Oh, yeah uh this is reason number 245 million that it would be better if um the people in charge were interested in spending a bunch of money on the blazers because they need they need him to go to the beaverton blazers and play 26 minutes and look awesome in the g league and then they're comfortable bringing him back um
1: i think it's gonna happen when some other stuff gets
0: yeah when when there's an when there's a new owner they'll have a g league team they won't They won't sniff it until then. Joe Cronin's question, I believe you asked it at the press conference. He said, like, it has to make sense. No, that and, was
1: actually Sprague when he was on his radio show. Oh,
0: that was the... I knew it was some, somebody that I listened to closely, a, a friend of the program, a future guest here on the pod. But it was like, it's the same thing, if it makes sense. Well, what does that mean? That means if it makes sense to the person writing the checks. Because Paul Allen was an early investor in the G League, and the Idaho Stampede lost him a whole bunch of money, and he said, no. I don't want to do that again. And then Neil Olshe hated the G League. So, years, ag-
1: years ago, Neil was on the one podcast that he went on regularly and he was asked about it. And he basically was just like, well, it's just financially doesn't make any sense. And we don't use it enough. Like, he just completely shut it down. And actually, this is actually funny. I was uh, last December, I was in Vegas for the G League showcase, which mm-hmm. is an event that I had never covered before. And this was like maybe three weeks or so after the GM change that took place in December and something that, you know, I heard from a few different people was maybe now that he's gone, the Bladers will have a G league team.
0: Well, yeah, they just don't believe, he didn't believe in it. And I will say this, Neil
1: O'Shea
0: was pretty good at drafting second rounders and developing them into NBA players. He did a good job. It doesn't mean that you couldn't use a G League team. It didn't work for his specific needs. It doesn't mean that it wouldn't work, period. Um, it was silly that it's it remains very silly they didn't have one. And it and it, it's just a it,
1: thing that if you don't if you don't have and everybody else has, like what does it say? Like it's you're not like yeah. smarter than everybody else by not having this tool for player development that everybody else has. I mean, look who did the who is the Blazers, you know, big free agent acquisition this uh, this offseason, Gary Payton the a second. G League dude. Star. Where did he come up? Where did he mostly get like serious reps and serious minutes before he proved, you know, what he could do at a high level with the warriors in the G league.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, He was like the best defensive player in the G league. And it was proof that he could be, you know, um, proof that he could be something special. Uh, So sharp, I don't see him playing unless they really want him to, I think he's the big question mark. Um, it's going to be
1: like Simons. I think yeah. Simons is rookie year. He's going to maybe like, he'll get on the floor in garbage time, but it's going to be, a, it's going to be a whole lot of, we're going to be hearing about how great he looks in practice, but a hundred percent, you know, they lose, they lose four games in a row in December and, we're going to be both of our Twitter mentions or in our mailbags or whatever, on our various platforms are just going to be blowing up with, man, you got to play sharp, man. You got to play sharp. He's the answer. Like that's going to be what this season is going to be, but I don't think he's actually going to play.
0: much. Yeah. And it's fine. It's fine. Uh, They want to be a good team. Not playing a 19 year old is not going to hinder them from their goals. It's just, uh, you know, eventually you got to figure out where he fits and what, what that means for the next iteration of the team. So um a rookie not being ready on a team with playoff aspirations is like a very normal process. Uh, but if he pops and he has to play because he's so good because he like kills it in yeah. training camp, it's a game changer for him. It's, it's not a bad him.
1: problem to have if that's the
0: case. 100%. You recently wrote a story about Damian Lillard being healthy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What is Obviously, Dame's had a lot of time off. Physically, he says he feels better, he said he felt great last year and obviously wasn't there. But I think that more my read on it, and I want to know your take, is like, I think this was a bigger rest for him mentally than it was physically. What do, you, what do you make of Dame and his extended break that he's had?
1: Well, the thing you have to keep in mind with that, Mike, is that he has had as nonstop of a last really two and a half years or however long it's been, as anybody, because the Blazers, I mean, they they lost in the first round, but they played in the bubble playoffs. They played through the seeding games, which and they had to go Dane, nuts. Well, right, Dame, you know, had one of the best stretches of his career and won the bubble MVP to get them to that first round series against it the was Lakers. Great. Then they lose, and then they have like a what, like a month and a half off season before yeah. going into next training camp, and then that season is super compressed because they're playing seventy two games because of COVID. And then as soon as that season is over, Dane goes to Tokyo to play for the Olympic team. And then, you know, there's a shorter off season because everything got pushed back by a month because of COVID. The only guys that I think were, you know, had as compressed of off seasons or as of, of like last three years of stretches as he did were like chris middleton and drew holiday because they were on the bucks who were in the finals and then also devin booker who right. played for phoenix and was basically got off the plane from the finals and went right into the olympics but dame has played as much it's the same thing as like I don't know, maybe a slightly smaller scale all of this stuff about like you know lebron has played in eight straight finals plus two olympics so he's just totally burned up i think with dame even if he was fully healthy and didn't have this ab thing that has been bugging him for several years, just playing that much basketball in a row, even for somebody who's in as good of shape as he is and takes care of his body as well as he does, that's going to take a toll on you. And, you know, Absolutely. especially, and then you add in this ab thing that he's been playing through. And my understanding of this ab injury is that he felt like he could play through it because it's one of those injuries that you can't make worse by playing through it. It's just a matter of pain tolerance. And for a while, his pain tolerance threshold was high enough that he was, he just felt like, okay, I'm going to just try to play through this. And then I think once the season started going sideways, as far as wins and losses, they just figured, you know, and and he was getting statistically off to the worst. Yeah. He was, he was playing.
0: yeah, he hadn't so you been can, back. You can
1: tell as far back as, as the Olympics. Like he wasn't himself in the Olympics. And he actually has told us before. And I mentioned this in the story. He actually told this to us back in January when he did the press conference right after he first had the surgery. But La- Drew Holiday had this same surgery a few yep. years ago when he was with the Pelicans. And every day after practice with the Olympic team drew would go up to dame and just be like dude you gotta we need get to it. do this surgery yeah, you, and dame, got it. you gotta and get dame, like like and the problem was like he gets back they get back from tokyo dame has his wedding planned, right so he doesn't want to do it then and then once the season starts he doesn't want to do it during the season because he doesn't want to miss games and then once you get into december january all of the stuff goes down the team is is getting blown out every night neil got fired the team is like not gonna be good and like dame physically is not himself like I think at that point that both him and Joe Cronin and, and Chauncey Phillips all kind of just put their heads together and said, let's do what the warriors did with Steph a couple of years ago when he broke his hand, they called it a gap year. I've called Eric, I think came up with a gap year, but I've heard them use kind of the same language for it. But basically you go take off as much time as you need. Don't even worry about coming back, get totally right. We'll be bad for one year. We'll get a good draft pick. And then we'll come back next year and try to make a run. And yeah, it seems like, based on what Dame was saying, and for, you know, for those, this story is probably going to be pretty old by the time this is up, but I I wrote that from uh, Dame's camp out in Beaverton, which he spoke at, and it was me, and it was like a couple of other reporters uh, that were there, so he kind of gave us that update about his whole, you know, off-season training, and you have to be a little bit skeptical when anybody who's over 30 who's a high level athlete says they're in the best shape of their life but he was talking about how like he and phil beckner who's been his personal trainer for a long time uh put together this whole new regimen where he was like instead of just going hard every day he was like he would have like one day of really hard workouts and then a rest day and Basically they designed something that's a lot more optimized to what he's actually, what is actually best for his body, as opposed to just assuming that if you just get in the gym and just go hard every single day in the off season, that's what's best. But it sounds like just the thing, the thing that makes me optimistic though about Dane about this whole situation is that this is the kind of injury and the kind of surgery, you know, you look at with Drew Holiday, and there have been a few different NFL players that have had it. This is a situation, I think, where once you have this surgery, it's just done. So it's not right. like Dame is coming back from a torn ACL or a torn Achilles or something that, like, you you know, you see different guys have to, or, you know, the kind of like the leg injury that Nurkic had where it took him basically a full year to get back to being himself. Like, this is like, there was a six-week recovery. If there was any reason for Dame to play at the end of last season, like if they were trying to make the playoffs, he probably could have played.
0: Yeah. I, I, so, I think that's, I think basically he said as much is that he realized that he probably could have played in that last month. And it was like, what's the they, point? Yeah. I mean, as soon as he gave that interview with Chris Haynes, where he was talking about traded player exceptions and uh, the, <laughs> the size of the MLE, I was like, that dude's done. Yes. He's, he's, he's done.
1: <laughs> and then, and then on, uh, I forget whether this was at exit interviews or on draft night, we asked Joe about how, uh, <laughs> you know, how involved Dame was going to be in, like the off-season personnel moves. And Joe was talking about how Dame knows as much about uh trade exceptions as any player in the league. And he's basically doing my job for me. And all the of, of course, that was like a joke that Joe was making. And of course, all the fans were like flipping out about like, man, this guy's useless. Dame is actually doing his job for him. But it's like, no, I think I don't know. I don't I don't think it's a bad thing when the star player is involved in these things. I mean, it can get to a point where you, you know, you don't want it to get to a point like where you know the lakers trade all trade useful players for russell westbrook because lebron and anthony davis insist they bring russell westbrook in or kevin durant basically saying like i'll come here but you have to bring kyrie irving with me. like D- D-
0: are, jordan yeah exactly yeah, yeah yeah.
1: like there are limits to it but like i think dame understands i think the difference between dame and a lot of these other stars that have say in personnel stuff is I think Dame understands that being a GM is a full-time job. And now that the person who is the person making those decisions is somebody that he feels like isn't selling him a bill of goods. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to let this guy, you know, I'll give my input. I'll push for certain guys. And by the way, the guys that he, you know, has pushed for, like I know that, you know, part of why they went so hard after trading for Jeremy Grant is because he's Dame's boy, but that's also – a guy that makes sense on the roster. It's not like Dame is like pressuring them to sign his buddies who don't fit. Like it's not like he's trying to, you know, pressure, you know, he was like, oh no, I'm you have to go get Zach Levine or else I'm going to ask for it wasn't it wasn't something like that. Like the guys that he's been pushing for, like Gary Payton, I think he was on board with too or like you look at in the past guys that he, you know, tried to get Neil to bring in, whether it was like Aaron Gordon, Jalen Brown, I think he has pretty good judgment about which kind of guys he would fit in well with, but he also for the most part, you know, now, especially now that, again, you know, it's a different person in charge. Like, I think he kind of understands that, like, there's only so much I can do. Yeah.
0: I mean, he did get his cousin uh, a job as, <laughs> at the end of the bench. So, oh yeah. Dame is a job creator. Uh, he also like one time tweeted that they needed fans back in the stands and had fans back in the stands three days later. Like oh, yeah. my, my man is working for the organization. Um, what's your confidence level that Dame's going to be Dame?
1: Like, what are we calling, what are we defining Dane as?
0: Like as, as good as he was the last time we saw him healthy, when he was like 28
1: and seven. I'd say I'm pretty confident that he's going to get back to that level. This idea that he's going to come back better than he ever was before. I don't know if, he, I mean, he's had some pretty damn good years. Right. I don't know if he's going to have, you know, a better year than, you know, those couple of seasons, like a couple of years ago where, you know, he was getting like fringe MVP buzz or whatever. Maybe if like the Blazers are in the top four in the, west somehow you know standings wise but i i I think that there are at least four teams better than them but i i I, if you told me dame is as good as he was two years ago right i I would i would say that's probably the most likely believable scenario
0: yeah he was something like one of the five best offensive players Mm -hmm. in the world if you think like a little bit of regression because of age and because other guys have taken a leap he's like the Ninth best, seventh best offensive player in the world. Like
1: he's, and the other thing is, like I said, this is not a torn ACL where like he's going to have to rebuild his entire. Like it's this isn't the kind of injury where it's like a year, you know, you come back and you're cleared to play, and then it takes another year for you to get back to being yourself. This isn't that kind of injury that he's recovered. If he was coming back from like a torn Achilles, I would be like, yeah, I don't know about this, but yeah, just the, the kind of injury that this is, and the kind of surgery that it was, and the kind of recovery that it is. I. I am pretty, if I were a Blazer fan, I'd be pretty optimistic that he's going to be something close to what he was a couple of years ago.
0: I think there's real reason for optimism. Thanks again to Sean for joining the show. Be sure to check out the Rose Garden Report, the website for his new venture, where he's the author and host of the podcast. It's available in this episode description. Be sure to come back later this week. More of my chat with Haiken coming at you it's a lot of fun you're not going to want to miss it tell your friends about it it's the middle of august and we got a blazer podcast coming at you so check it out i appreciate you listening and i'll talk to you soon